This morning we're going to be in Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1 is where we're going to be this morning. As you're finding your place there, I just want to make a couple of comments that I trust you'll understand. But uh, I want to remind you, first of all, while you're finding your place there, that uh, this afternoon we will be at the Meredith Place. I know I made that announcement in the Sunday school hour, but uh, if you'd like to join us this afternoon for the Meredith Place ministry, we'd love to have you at 2 o'clock this afternoon. But uh, about the sermon, uh, it's, it's kind of tricky, and maybe I've mentioned this before. Um, probably have, but uh, uh, it's kind of hard to prepare for a sermon almost two weeks away. So you've got one of two options. You can either prepare ahead and hope for the best when the time gets here, or you can try to study on vacation, and I've done that before, and that usually is very unprofitable. And so I went with the former. I studied before we left town. And so this message has been sitting and simmering for a while. And uh, Nathan asked me this morning on the way to church, he said, are you nervous? And I said, well, I got to get back into it. So here we are. So I just want you to know, I, I do believe that this message can be a help to us if we allow it to be. I hope that it will be. And I'm going to trust that it's what some, if not all of us need to an extent. So with that as kind of a a poor introduction to the sermon. Uh, I'd like to have a word of prayer and then we'll get started, okay? Father, we do come to you this morning thanking you for what you have done for us, this gift that you gave to us in coming, uh, sending your son to come to this earth so that he could one day die on the cross for our sins. God, the message that we just heard in song is a wonderful reminder of, of why you came and I thank you for that. God, I do pray that you would Bless this sermon, God, that you'd use it to be a help and an encouragement to your people, and God, that uh, you'd give me clarity of thought today. I pray this now in Jesus' name, amen. A couple of weeks ago, Nathan and the girls were in Oklahoma City so that they could attend a banquet, and because they were gone on a Friday night, that left myself and Susie uh, at home, alone, all to ourselves. And because of it being the Christmas season, there were still some Christmas presents that needed to be purchased so that they can be presented in the next couple of days to the family and friends that we have bought for. And so we talked about it, that we were going to leave as soon as I was done here at the church and she was done giving piano lessons and we were going to make our way over to Borger. We were going to eat and then do a little bit of shopping over there. So I picked her up right at 5 o'clock, and she was ready to go. So she jumped in the car, and we made our way over to Borger. We made our way to the plaza to eat over there. And as we went in, I want you to understand that as we went in, as we drove over there throughout this entire process, Susie and I... We're in a good mood. We were in a good frame of mind, a good spirit about us. No issues that we were dealing with, no issues that were uh, confronting us. It was just a pleasant, pleasant drive over there, a, a pleasant time together. So as we go into the plaza and the server is about to seat us or the hostess is about to seat us, we're walking back to the table and I hear somebody say, Brother Osfeld, Brother Osfeld, and I thought to myself, 
I looked over and I saw a pastor from the surrounding area that I know. Now, I like the man. I like his wife. But here's what he said. We just sat down. Why don't you join us for supper this evening? And again, I thought to myself, uh, I don't want to. I'm here with my wife. Everything's good. Everything's fine. No issues amongst us. No issues in the church. Everything is good. And our kids are gone. We just want to have some time together alone at supper, go shopping, and have a relaxing evening. But as soon as he said, Brother Roosevelt, why don't you come join us? There was this little voice that said, you need to accept the invitation. And you know how you can wrestle with your voice very quickly and very extensively. No, don't, yes, no, yes, no, yes. And before I could even really process everything that was happening inside, I said, okay. And I said, Susie, come on, let's go over here, and, and we're going to eat with this family. She said, okay, that's fine, whatever. So we sat there, and for the next hour and a half, we just visited and we fellowshiped. We talked about church life. We talked about family life. We talked about kids, their grandchildren. We just talked about a host of so many different things. And whenever we left supper that night, Susie and I both agreed, what a blessing. What a blessing. We didn't even know we needed the blessing, but it was a blessing. What an encouragement that was so enjoyable. I wasn't expecting that, but... It turned out really well. It turned out really nice. And we were both so thankful that we said yes, that we agreed to eat and, and have the fellowship. Now, I tell you that story to kind of introduce this sermon today. Because here's what I know. We are in the final days, the final moments of the Christmas season. In just a few days, everything is going to wrap up, everything is going to conclude, and, and we'll start looking ahead to next year. I understand how the process works. I, I understand how things take place. This is not my first time uh, in this Christmas season. And here is what I know, just based upon my own experience and by way of observation, that for many people, the Christmas season is an enjoyable time. Now, I know that there are people this time of year, they're struggling. And they're struggling for a host of reasons. They, they, they may have health issues that they're wrestling with. They may have some family issues they're wrestling with. They, they may have some financial issues that are weighing them down. I understand that not everyone is, is as thrilled about the Christmas season as maybe some others are. But, but I think for many of us, there is still a little bit of excitement in the air. There's a little bit of a, a positive vibe or a positive feeling in the air. And, and that is a good thing and obviously not anything that I would want to squelch or quite try to take away from. And, and so I, I say that to say this, that at the end of this morning's sermon, 
I hope it's kind of like that dinner experience that Susie and I had a couple of weeks ago. I hope that you leave here this morning feeling just a little bit better than what you were feeling before you came to church. Leaving here maybe with this mindset of, wow, I didn't even realize I needed the encouragement, but what a blessing to have received the encouragement. I want this message to be a help because truly it doesn't matter what our mindset or our thinking is today. It doesn't matter if you're struggling in your spirit or if you're feeling good about life right now. The truth of this morning's message can be a help to any of us. And so I hope that that you understand the idea behind it, the intent behind it. And again, I hope this is a blessing to us. So that in mind this morning, I want us to think of the obvious. I want us to think of what so many of us know already, and that is this. Whenever we come to the Christmas story, there really are just a couple of main characters. We have Joseph, we have Mary, we have baby Jesus, and then we have what might be called in the world of some the supporting cast. They're everyone else who is a part of the story, but obviously they are not the main aspects of the Christmas story. And here's what we know from the the story and the scripture that's been revealed and preserved for us, that, that Joseph and Mary, the scripture tells us, that they were already espoused to one another when we are introduced to them. It says in verse number 26 of Luke chapter 1, It says, And in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. So obviously we're introduced to the main characters, and again in verse number 27 is where we come to this obvious conclusion that they were espoused to one another, which basically means they were engaged to one another. And and I've touched on this before, and you know this to be true as much as I do, that usually for most couples in what would be the engagement period of one's life, that is a very exciting and thrilling time. They've got so many things going on, so many details that are being talked about, so many exciting thoughts in the mind of what the future will look like. And we have to assume that Joseph and Mary would have been like everyone else. This was a young couple who was excited about coming together in marriage, beginning this new life, and spending their days forever together to live happily ever after. That is what the average couple assumes will be their scenario whenever they are engaged, looking forward to marriage. And so here they are, engaged, espoused to one another, And yet, in verse number 26, it says, This angel by the name of Gabriel appears unto Mary. And here is what the angel said in verse number 28. Again, we're all familiar with this, but here is what the angel said. The angel said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. So Gabriel comes with this message that she is favored, that she is blessed among women. She is in a favorable, desirable spot. And in verse number 27, her response is natural. 
It says, And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. Keep in mind, Mary was a young lady, and it's not as though angels appeared on a daily or regular basis with messages, especially of this nature. And so she was caught, uh, she was caught off guard by this. She was troubled at the saying. And the angel, it says in verse number 30, said unto her, Fear not, Mary. For thou hast found favor with God, and behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth the Son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and he shall, and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. So here is the message that Gabriel gives. You're going to come, or you're going to conceive, you're going to bring forth this child, you're going to call his name Jesus, and here is what he is going to do, and here is what he is going to accomplish. Now, jump down, if you would, to verse number 38. It says this, And Mary said, Behold, and, and Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Now, I, again, I, I know I've touched on this in the past, but the response of Mary to what she has just been told is amazing on so many different levels. Here is a young lady who is engaged. Her whole life is before her. She's got everything planned out. She's got everything mapped out like most young ladies in that situation would. She's been daydreaming of what it's going to be like when she and Joseph finally get married. And now all of a sudden she's just been told, you're going to have a child. You're going to call his name Jesus. And this is what's going to happen. And her response is this. Be it unto me according to thy word. I know that you know this, but I want us to think about it for just a moment. Her life would never be the same after that moment. She would not be like every other woman who was pregnant and gave forth or brought forth a child and, and continued on with her life. No, the, the life of Mary was forever changed. It was forever going to be different. Her life would never really be normal because it could not have been normal and routine raising the Son of God. Along with the message to Mary, it says in verse number 36... And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. So here is what Mary is told in relation to her cousin Elizabeth. That though she has been called barren because obviously she was unable to have any children... It says, in her old age, she has also conceived. So not only was Mary the recipient of a miracle, her cousin Elizabeth was also the recipient of a miracle in being able to conceive in her old age. Obviously, the levels of miracle, from our perspective, they are vastly different but this is what Mary is hearing. You're going to conceive. You'll bring forth the male son. You're going to call his name Jesus. Here's what's going to be accomplished in his birth. And your cousin Elizabeth, she too has conceived in her old age. So in verse number 34, here's what I want us to focus on for just a moment. 
in addition to their response of, Be it unto me according to thy word, in verse number 34, Mary said unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? How is this going to happen? How is this going to take place? I know some 2,000 years ago they didn't have the medical advances that we have today, but they understood the, the basic knowledge of, of how pregnancies work. And, and so here is Mary, and she is saying to the angel, listen, not with questioning him and not with this, this measure of skepticism or doubt, but just trying to get some kind of understanding. She says to the angel, how is this going to be? How is this going to take place I've never been with a man. I, I, I've never known a man. And so in verse number 35, it's explained how the Holy Ghost was going to come upon her and that she was going to conceive in that fashion by, by it says, the, the highest shall overshadow thee, therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And, and so we're familiar with all this, but as I was reading a couple of weeks ago and preparing for this, I don't know why I've never really given attention to this, why I've never really thought about this, but notice what the angel said in verse number 37. The angel said to Mary, in the midst of her questioning and trying to understand this and to process all this, the angel Gabriel said to Mary, For with God nothing shall be impossible. For with God nothing shall be impossible. As we think about that statement for just a moment, I want us to think about what that truly means. I know it's pretty self-explanatory, but think about this. The word nothing means exactly that, not one thing. There is not one thing, Gabriel said, with God that shall be impossible. So what does it mean whenever the word impossible is used? It means this. For something to be unable to be done. Okay, if something is impossible, it is said that it is unable to be done, that it cannot be accomplished. You and I, no doubt, have certainly looked at situations, and our conclusion of the situation has been this, that it, whatever it is, it is impossible. This cannot be done. This cannot be accomplished. And that is true, is it not, on so many things in and of ourselves? Is this making sense? There, there are so many things in our lives that as we look at it, if we look at our own strength, if we look at our own power, if we look at our own ability, if we look at our own resources, what we are capable of, we conclude this is impossible and that is true. We are incapable of doing such. It is impossible. It's not going to happen. That transaction will not take place. It is not possible. But the angel Gabriel said this to Mary, Listen, with God, nothing shall be impossible. See, see here's what Gabriel said. When you insert God into the equation, then that which was once impossible 
now becomes possible. When you insert God into the equation, what was once unable to be done or once unable to be accomplished is now able to be done and is now able to be accomplished. So here is Mary, and she's alarmed, and she's startled by this messenger, the, the angel Gabriel, showing up and saying, you're favored and you're blessed, and, and you're going to conceive. And she says, how shall this be? I've never known a man. The angel says, listen, with God, though it is impossible with man, with God, this is possible. It can be done. It can be accomplished. And once she was reminded of that and she yielded herself to that, she said, well, then be it unto me according to thy will. Hey, if you say that God can do it, God can do it. And you know what she discovered? God was capable of doing exactly as he said he would. The virgin conceived, brought forth the son, she called his name Jesus, and he, Christ, did everything the scripture said he would do. Mary was reminded in that moment, when you put God into the equation, there is nothing that cannot be accomplished. There is nothing that cannot be done. Now this morning as I remind us of, of a very simple truth, I want you to know this, and I know that you do, but I just want to make sure that I'm clear on this. This is not a message of prosperity. This is not a message saying that whenever you insert God, that, that everything is going to turn around and everything is going to be better and everything is going to be fantastic for you. Now, now obviously, that can happen, but, but just because God is a part of a person's life doesn't mean that life is going to be fantastic and without obstacles. But, but what I do want to remind us of this morning is this, is that it doesn't matter what we have facing us in this life, that when God is a part of our lives, that changes everything because God is capable of doing the impossible in our lives. Now, again, I said this a moment ago, I just want to remind us of this. I know that for many of us, it's the Christmas season, it's the Christmas spirit. There's some festivities there, there's some excitement there. You're looking forward to spending time with family. Family, You're looking forward to spending time with the kids, the grandkids, and all these other things. That's all good and that's all fine, and it's something that I'm excited about. But as I said, what's going to happen in the next couple of days? It's all going to pass. And, uh, and all that's going to fade, and, and what will we do? Well, we'll, we'll kind of get back into the, the real world of things, right? In the next few days, we're going to flip the page of the calendar, and we're going to have a new year ahead of us. And, and, and here is what I know. Next year is not going to be perfect for any of us. Are, are, are we aware of that? Next year is not going to be perfect for any of us. 
Next year, I, I just want to let you in on this, and, and, and this will help you avoid some of the surprise in the next few days. In the next year, you're going to have some serious challenges presented to you. So, Brother Kyle, that's not encouraging. It's going to be, just a minute. But in the next year, you're going to have some health issues. You're going to have some relationship issues. You're going to have some financial issues. You're going to have something that, that comes into your life that you were not expecting, that you were not anticipating. It's not what you would have signed up for, and it's not going to be anything that you're real thrilled about. Is that fair to say? It's going to happen. And you know what God is going to, to want to do in our lives? He, he's going to want to do some things through us that, that we may not see how it's all going to work out. He's going to want to accomplish some things that, that for us, it's, it's going to be hard for our minds to grasp. How is this going to happen? How is this going to take care of itself? And, and, and how is this going to resolve itself? I, I'm struggling to see how all this is going to play out. And, and I want to remind us of this very simple, simple, simple truth. That when God is a part of the equation, no matter what needs to be accomplished, it goes from the realm of impossible to the realm of possible because with God, nothing is impossible. Do we realize that? With God, nothing is impossible. So in the next few days, in the next couple of months, whenever it happens that, that life takes a sharp left turn and we weren't expecting it, and we find ourselves questioning what God is doing, you know what we need to be reminded of? God knows exactly what He's doing. God knows exactly what is taking place. God knows exactly what is happening. And, and, and God is not caught off guard by any of this. And, and everything that, that needs to be accomplished is going to be accomplished because God never reaches a situation with us where He's thinking to Himself, I don't know what to do in this. No, God always knows what to do because God is capable of doing everything. Anything and everything that needs to be done. Amen. So, you, you, again, you, you may be here this morning and you may say, well, well Brother Kyle, I'm, I'm not discouraged. I know, neither was I a couple of weeks ago whenever we had supper with the family we weren't intending on having supper with. You say, well, Brother Kyle, it's not that I'm not discouraged. In fact, I'm probably at one of the highest points that I've been in a long time. Good. But you're not going to stay there. That's not the reality of life. You're not going to stay on this mountaintop forever. At some point, you're going to hit a valley. At some point, you're going to hit a difficulty. And you're going to need to be reminded, just as I'm going to need to be reminded, with God, anything is possible. I may not in and of myself have the resources or the abilities or the strength, whatever it may be, I may not have it in and of myself to do it. But if I will yield, if I will yield and if I will surrender myself to God's will for my life,
then he is going to accomplish everything that needs to be accomplished in my life. And so this morning, simple, I understand it. Nothing deep, nothing amazingly profound. But I want us to leave here this morning encouraged with this truth. That there is nothing facing us. Corporately, as a church family, there is nothing facing us individually, as families, or as just an individual person. There is nothing facing us. Let's hear this. There is nothing facing us right now that God is not that God is not capable of accomplishing. Everything that needs to take place, everything that needs to happen, God is able, he is capable, and it will happen as it needs to take place. Leave here encouraged. Leave here a little bit more grateful, thankful, whatever it may need to be. Leave here being reminded we serve an able God who is able to do anything that is needed to accomplish his will through our lives. That's an encouraging thought. Let's all stand this morning and bow our heads for prayer. Fathers, I come to you this morning. Lord, I know that this would not be a traditional Christmas thought. I understand that. But, Lord, it is good to be reminded of what you said to Mary through the angel that day so many years ago. That when you are a part of the situation, then there is nothing, not one thing, that cannot be accomplished. You are a capable, able God, no matter what the situation may be. And I pray that we would be encouraged by that truth this morning. I pray that you'd bless the invitation, that you'd speak to hearts however you would see fit. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen.